You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. Before we uh, tuck into God's Word today, I want to take a straw poll here. Who here uh, has plans to or has already seen the new Downton Abbey movie? Just wave your hand nice and high for me. Quite a few of you. I uh, have from time to time been known to watch Downton Abbey with my wife. And uh, who is a big Downton Abbey fan. She'll be seeing it on Thursday, I think. And uh, what I tend to do is I will do some work on my laptop and every now and again look over the laptop and see what's going on. Because it's quite slow-paced, I can kind of keep track of what's going on. Now, there was one time when I said to her, after the the, uh, credits were rolling, I said, was that episode literally about some people sitting around playing cards and talking about the estate? And she was like, yeah, that was the episode. And she said, but it's full of drama. Now listen, this story, the story of Joseph, it really is a story full of drama. It's a story full of drama that will blow Downton Abbey out of the water. This is a story of uh, sibling rivalry, of uh, parental favoritism, of jealousy, of betrayal, of attempted murder. It's a story of imprisonment and slavery. It's a story of seduction. It's a story of fleeing temptation. It's a story of a meteoric rise to power. It's a story of redemption and forgiveness. And it's a story of a whole nation being saved through one man and his influence in it. It's an incredible story, but it's a story that's part of God's bigger story that we see in the Bible, that we see outworked right from the very beginning where humanity turned their back on God, said that we want to go our own way. There was a plan unfolding from that moment for the rescue of mankind, for the rescue of people like you and I who get caught up in slavery to all kinds of stuff. This story of Joseph is part of that big story, part of the big story of salvation in the Bible. God had come and had appeared to Joseph's great-grandfather, Abraham, who had no kids and who was really old. And he said, you're going to have more descendants than all of the stars in the sky. I'm going to make from your people a great nation a nation that I'm going to bless and that will be a blessing to the whole world. He came to Abraham in chapter 15 of Genesis and says these things. And Abraham says to him, how will I know this is true? How will I know this is actually going to come to pass? And God says to Abraham, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. This is exactly what happens after the story of Joseph. But I will punish that nation that enslaves them, and in the end they will come away with great wealth. He says this, after four generations, your descendants will return here to this land. God's hand is all over the story of Joseph because it was part of his great story. God had plans, and he was weaving a story even through the ups and downs of this man's life that we're going to be unfolding over the next seven weeks. God has a salvation story and his hand is at work, even when we don't see it. And there's whole chapters of uh, this story of Joseph in the book of Genesis where God isn't mentioned and yet God's hands are so clearly all over the story. But God's at work. And we've called this series Trusting God's Hand because we want to urge you as we go through this series in the weeks to come to trust God, to trust his hand even when we can't work out what he's doing to trust him through the ups and downs of life, that he never lets go of us. 
that he's got us securely in the palm of his hand, that we can trust him come what may, that he's weaving a story that is a glorious story. It's a story that ultimately thousands of years after these events would culminate really in the coming of Jesus, a descendant of Abraham who would come and who would live perfectly before God, who would never do anything wrong, who would die in our place, the, the, the death that we deserve. He would take the punishment that we deserve for all of the wrong things that we do and say and think, and who would rise again and who would make a way for us to come into the family of God. This is an amazing story. And as we go through the story of Joseph, we're actually going to see foreshadows of Jesus because the Bible points to Jesus all the time. We see the stories of old, they point to Jesus. And probably more than any of the other uh, Old Testament characters, Joseph is very, very Christ-like. He's a man who, who is very upright morally, even though facing you know, fierce temptation, as we're going to see, he stays upright before his God. And he gets abandoned, rejected by his brothers. And yet, the abandoned and rejected one would actually come to save a whole nation, as we're going to see. It points us to Jesus. It points us to him, the one who's come not just to save a nation, but the whole world. So we're going to kick off the story today in chapter 37 of Genesis. So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things that his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children, because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. This guy can't win, can he? Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field, tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you'll be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. This is significant because he has 11 brothers. This time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. I want to speak this morning primarily about calling. I want to speak to you about calling. I want to speak about God's general calling or our primary calling and our specific calling. Because it seems to me that Joseph had a call of God on his life. 17 years old, tending to the flock that his dad owned. By the age of 30, he's prime minister of Egypt. He had a, he had a call of God on his life. But we can get some things wrong when it comes to calling, in that we can 
we can kind of get preoccupied with what am I put on earth to do? What am I here to do? And some of us can even get to our old age having considered throughout our whole lives, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? And we can get so caught up on it that we actually kind of get frozen in it a little bit. And we think, well, I don't know what I'm here to do, and therefore I'm not going to do much at all. I'm so obsessed with working out what is the will of God for my life that I'm just going to sort of coast until that's clear to me. And so many people might go through their whole life and never really have that clarity for them. And I want to talk this morning about general calling and specific calling so that we can take a step back and actually have a look at what it is that God has called us to do and how we might actually start to discern what his specific calling might be for us. We each one of us have a general calling and it's to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul and strength. That's our calling. That's what God's called us to. That's our primary calling. He's called us. We're called by God to God and for God. That's what our calling is in our life. The Apostle Paul, when he's writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9, he says, you have been called into fellowship with Jesus. You've called, you're called to walk with this God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're called to know him. That's our primary calling. That's the, ultimately the thing that brings us satisfaction and fulfillment is walking with our creator, knowing him, to walk with him and know him and share our heart with him and to listen to him and to be in his word and receive from him. He's called us to fellowship with him. And we must make sure that that is our life's goal, that it's our life's purpose, that it's our, our, what's our driving passion and pursuit in our life is I want to know God more. The Apostle Paul has written most of the books of the New Testament. You think he knows Jesus well, hey? He knew Jesus well, but he said, I, I press on, I want to know Jesus more. That's my life's ambition. I want to know him more. I want to walk with him more deeply. That's our primary calling. And we must make sure that whatever else we might consider our secondary calling, our specific calling, if you would, we must make sure that our primary calling comes first, that our general call to know God and to walk with him comes first, that we pursue him with our whole hearts. Are you pursuing God with your whole heart? Are you are you giving over your life to getting to know God more? Or is it going to other things? Is it going to other things that you might be chasing hard after? Everything else needs to find its place underneath. I'm going after God. I want to know Him. So that's our general calling, our primary calling. We need to take a step back sometimes. Be released from this whole worry about, I must work out what I'm here to do. I must work out what exactly it is that God wants me to do. You can be released from that fear and know, actually, I'm just called to walk with God. I'm called to abide in Him. I'm called to have close relationship with Him, remain in Him. And actually, it's from that place that I'm going to be fruitful. It's from that place that I'm going to be effective. It's from that place that I'm going to make a difference. So our general calling, our primary calling is what we pursue passionately. But I want to talk a little bit about our specific calling Okay, so I know I need to know, uh, pursue God with all my whole heart, but what am I specifically called to do? Which, which town am I meant to be in? Which job am I meant to be doing? What people am I meant to be reaching out to? We might be asking ourselves these questions. Well, I want to just give four pieces of advice for us as we consider these things. Firstly, be faithful in the primary call. Jesus tells loads of parables, and he tells one in Luke 16 about someone who's faithful with a little, and then he gets entrusted with more. 
We are to be faithful with our primary call, faithful with the secret place kind of praise and worship of God, faithful with the just pouring our hearts out to him and sharing with him what's going on within, faithful with turning up and being present in community, faithful with these things. And as we're faithful in these things, God will entrust us with more, trust us with more clarity as to what it is we're supposed to be doing with our lives, what we're supposed to be prioritizing, what places we're supposed to be going. We need to be faithful in the primary call. Imagine how ridiculous it would be if someone considered they wanted to be a professional athlete someday. They weren't quite sure exactly what field of sport they would go into, but they didn't bother getting fit. They just thought, well, I don't need to get fit. I want to be a professional athlete. And when, when that's clear to me exactly what I'm going to be, then I'll get fit. No, no, we need to ensure that our primary call comes first, that we pursue God, that we're faithful in that kind of secret place stuff, and then God will begin to share with us some things that he wants us to be focusing on. Secondly, think fruitfulness throughout. Think fruitfulness throughout. Sometimes we can get so caught up in, one day I'm going to be told exactly what my mission is, and then I'm going to be really fruitful. On that day, when I know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing, then I'm going to be really effective for God. Well, actually, God wants us to be fruitful and effective on the journey, on the journey towards whatever works he might have specifically for us, that we can be fruitful along the way, simply as we stay close to him. Some of you might be called to uh, another town or city or nation someday, and you might think, I'm going to do great exploits for God in that place. Well, we need to ensure that we're doing great exploits for God in the place that he's called us. Those same exploits, those same things that we might do one day elsewhere, well, we're not going to do them elsewhere if we're not doing them now. God wants us to be fruitful on the journey, not just in the destination. Think fruitfulness throughout your life. Now, having said that, I want to caveat that by saying, actually, we should expect that as we go on further in our walk with God, as we grow older, as we have more years under our belt walking with Jesus, that we should expect to be more fruitful. We should expect a growth and an increase in fruitfulness because what should be happening is that we should be maturing. We should be growing to know God more and growing in faith more and growing to walk with him more and we should expect more fruitfulness as a result. So whilst we are absolutely of persuasion that we're going to be fruitful on the journey to whatever God might be specifically calling us to, that actually we also should expect more fruitfulness to come as we go forward in life because God wants to change us. He wants to mature us. He wants to do that in your life. If you know him, if you're a child of God, well, he's got ambition for you. He really has, and he wants to grow you. He wants you to come to trust him more. He wants you to put to death things in your life that are not honoring of him. He wants you to kill off attitudes and uh, habits. He wants you to, to get hold of the truth more and live it out in your life. He wants that for you. He wants that for you. He wants you to depend on him more, actually. It's not that we, as we go forward in our, our walk with God, we become more independent. No, we become more dependent on God. And the more dependent on God we become, the more fruitful we'll be. So we mustn't, we mustn't think God's done with us and that our best days are behind us. Well, you know, I, I, back in the day, oh, when I led that youth group, I was really fruitful then. No, you may have been fruitful then, but he's got even more for you. He's got good things prepared for you in advance. So we think fruitfulness throughout. Specific calling takes time to become clear. I became a Christian when I was 16 years old, got baptized, and uh, I didn't really have a clue what I wanted to do with my life. I had no idea whatsoever. 
But I think looking back, it could be said that it was clear that there was some leadership gift within me. Because I was the one saying to my mates, hey, you've got to get to a youth group on Friday. Let's all go. I was the one texting around saying, I didn't see you at church today. Is everything okay? I was the one who at nighttime would sometimes lay awake at night worrying about friends of mine that were kind of on the edge and maybe drifting a little bit. And I didn't really know how to handle it properly in my heart at the time. But I'd lay awake thinking, oh, man, they're going to walk away from the faith. And and listen, I wasn't living a perfect life. I don't live a perfect life now. You'll be relieved to know. But there was a a leadership burden on me. We came home from a conference one time. I think we were 17 or 18 years old. And I said to my friends, we've got to go into the streets and invite everyone we can find to our church. We've got to do it. And so we did it. And we invited everyone we could find to our church. There was a leadership gift on me then. But I had no idea what God might be calling me to. I hadn't got any idea that he might call me to lead a team in Ipswich. I'd never even been to Ipswich before. I'd only ever been through Ipswich on the train, and being a Norwich boy, it was the sort of place that you just sort of look upon and think, oh, I never want to go there. And listen, you know, God's done a work. I love this place. I've argued with my friends who are from Norwich that Ipswich is better than Norwich. That's the work of God, isn't it? But I had no idea what God was calling me to, but there was some sort of, I guess, inklings of it. It takes time for these things to become clearer to us. We mustn't expect that it's all going to happen straight away. So, because of these things, because it takes time to become clear, the fourth thing is this. Be in good soil. Be in good soil where you can grow. Be in good soil where you can grow. I don't believe God calls us to things in isolation. I don't believe he calls us to things where we're just going to go off on our own and do stuff. No, he calls us to be in team, even in the way he encourages his disciples in the books of the Bible to go and talk about him. He tells them to go off in team. He wants us to be finding what it is that he wants for us in the context of community. That's God's way. That's the way he does it. In the context of community where others are speaking into our lives, where others are saying, hey, I see this in you. That's so often the way in which God will bring clarity to us on some things. It's not always through dreams and visions, although I absolutely believe in dreams and visions for today. But so often it's the way in which, in just in normal community, whether in a life group, we'd urge you, get into a life group. Because it's your way into community here. You know, you can be in a life group and it's not really community, but you can make it community. You can throw yourself in. But it's often in those kind of contexts or just in friendship and within the church on a Sunday, you can be just speaking to someone and just say, I see this gift in you. I really, I believe God has gifted you in this way. Or maybe even, actually, I just feel like God's got so much for you and that you just need to drop this attitude. You've got this thing in your heart that I believe is not right and it needs to be put to death. It's those kinds of um, contexts often that we can just get, start to get clarity on exactly what it is that God wants us to be focusing on. It's in the context of community. We need to be in good soil in which we can grow in. Joseph wasn't in particularly good soil. He went to his brothers with his dreams and they, they slammed him down. They ended up, as we're going to find out next week, beating him up and throwing him in a pit. Listen, we're not going to do that to you here. You start to share your dreams. We want to help you. We want to help shape you. We want to help strengthen you and make you ready for what it is that God's got for you. You need to be in good soil. Please let me urge you, if you're on the edge of things here, 
dive straight in. You're going to have to, it's going to require courage. It's going to require sometimes turning up at people's houses and you think, I'm going to this life group. I don't even know the people here, but I'm going to go and I'm going to make myself known. I'm going to know others. I'm going to, I'm going to pray for others. I'm going to ask people to pray for me. I'm going to, I'm going to dive in here. We were talking about this as a leadership team this week, that it's, it's hard as a church grows to feel part of community quite as quick as you might have done maybe in a previous town in which you lived. You might have been in a smaller place, in a smaller church, and you might have thought, within three weeks, I knew everyone, and they knew me. I knew all the, the leaders and all that kind of stuff. It can be hard in a larger church context to kind of feel part of things. It's so important. It takes time, and you need to work hard at it sometimes and have courage and humility and an open life and say, hey, please pray for me. Please help me. Persistence. But we need to be in that place if we're really going to thrive in all that God's called us to. We need to be in a place of real community. And we can kind of stay on the edge and think, well, I'm just going to turn up on a Sunday and go straight away as soon as the message is over. That's not the kind of soil that I'm talking about here. God wants to show you more of what he's got for you in the context of real community. And you're not going to know everyone. And not everyone's going to know you. And that's not what real community is about. So you need to be in good soil. And God will, as you're in that place of community, he will show you things. People will bring prophetic words to you and say, I believe God's saying this to you right now. People have done that to me. I feel like God's saying this to you right now. And it's been like really helpful, clarifying, ah, okay, I need to prioritize this. I need to prioritize these kinds of people because God has spoken to me through that person. It may well be that he speaks to you in dreams and in visions. Sometimes, though, our dreams are just complete nonsense and we don't know why we dream them. I dreamt last night that I found a diamond that could play music. <laughs> and people were coming from all over the world to see this diamond that could play music. And I've got no idea why I dreamt that. If you have the interpretation of that, please come and speak to me. I'd love to hear from you. But sometimes they're just random. But sometimes God will speak to us through dreams. Let's pray for that, shall we? Let's pray for that for our own lives, that God will speak to us for ourselves and for others. I was reading the story of Jackie Pullinger this week. She's a remarkable woman of God and spent her life, really, in Hong Kong with people in addiction, prostitutes. It all started because God came to her in a dream. I'm expectant of dreams and visions for today. I'm expectant because we're in that time. We're in the last days, friends. You can't help but read of Joseph's dreams and not think of Acts chapter 2, where all these amazing miracles have been happening, and then Peter stands up and says... This is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel. The prophecy of Joel that says this, In these last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. We're expectant of that today, because the last days are the days between the Holy Spirit coming upon God's people, we read about in Acts chapter 2, and the day in which Jesus returns. We're in those last days. We're expecting great wonders. We're expecting signs. We're expecting visions and dreams and prophecy. And I believe it's time for us to dream big, friends, to dream big. We're dreaming big corporately as a church. We're dreaming big for what he'll do amongst us here in Ipswich. We're dreaming big about the nations. Let me encourage you, men and women here, dream big. Get before God. It's often when we're praying that he will share things with us. I sometimes praying, and I, I sometimes find myself praying for things, and I'm thinking, why am I praying for that? 
And it's just that God's just prompting me on something. He's just showing me something. Let's dream big. I read this week that the evangelist D.L. Moody, on his deathbed, he had his sons gathered around him, and he said this, his final words, if God be your partner, make plans large. If God be your partner, make plans large. Let's make large plans, shall we, Hope Church? Let's trust God for big things, because he's with us. He's with us. The God of the universe is with us. And like Abraham, who said to him, well, how will we know? How will I know that these things are going to happen? We can say to God, how will we know that you're going to be with us? And he'll say, see Jesus. See the greater Joseph. See the one who was abandoned by his kinsmen. The one who was thrown into the pit, not just left for dead, but literally dead. See him rising, not to become the prime minister of a nation, but the king of the universe. See him rising to all power and authority. See him on his throne. See the spirit now poured out. And be courageous. Be courageous. Dream big. Dream of great exploits. And pray and do them. I believe God's calling us to that Hope Church. He's with us. He's able to help us. We're never out of his sight. He never takes his eyes off us. And we can't be plucked from his hands. That's good news. That's such good news. It's not always a comfortable place to be walking with God, but it's a safe place because we can't be plucked from his hands. We're never taken away from him, the source of all life and satisfaction. Should we stand together? I'd love to pray for us, Hope Church. I'd love to pray for us that we will have dreams and visions, that we'll have trust in God. Let's just lift out our hands before God together, shall we? Lord, we just want to say right now, as we're gathered together as your people, we want to say, Lord, we trust you. And Lord, we, we know that your hand is at work, even when we don't see it, even when we, we're sort of looking around thinking, what's going on? We can trust that you're at work, that you're working all things together for the good of those who love you and who are called according to your purposes. I thank you, Father, that so many of us can say without a shadow of a doubt, we love you, Lord, and we're called according to your purposes. And Lord, we say we trust that you're working all things together for our good. And I pray, Father, for dreams and visions in the hearts of my friends here. I pray you give us dreams and visions. I pray, Lord God, that we would have really clear dreams, that you would show us things, people that you want us to minister to, places that you want us to impact, things you want us to do for our work. Speak to us, I pray, Father. Make things really clear. But I pray, Lord God, that more than anything else, we will pursue our primary calling, which is to you, Lord. We want to love you with our whole hearts. We want to be faithful in the secret place. We, want to, we don't want to be getting so caught up with uh, whatever it is you've called us to and forget that actually ultimately we're called to fellowship with you. I pray that for my friends here, Lord. We want to love you with our whole hearts. Lord God, take us forward, I pray. Help us to dream big because we've got the God of the whole universe with us. We've got the King of Kings who went to his grave, who rose again victorious. He's seated in majesty and he's with us. Heavenly Father, would you pour out your spirit as we've prayed already this morning. Come and flood hearts now. Would you even speak to people 
of destiny now. Would you speak through prophetic words? Lord, I pray even in the secret place this week as people are speaking to you that you would whisper. Lord God, you speak to us about things that you want us to drop. Speak to us about things that you want us to take up. Speak to us about attitudes and thoughts that are wrong and that you want us to put to death. Lord God, we want to honor you with our whole lives. Thank you, Lord God. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.